Uh, let us pray, and we'll start. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray that you help me this morning. A, a thoughts, I need to thank your thoughts. May your word be preeminent. Lord, again, for Israel to protect them. May our time together be precious as we look into your word, as we hear what's going on in the world. May we have a biblical worldview in all things, and may we not succumb to pressure from whatever direction to capitulate and to join on the things that are truly ungodly or anti-godly, etc. I pray that you help us to think wisely. Help me to speak clearly. Lord, forgive me of sin. Empty me of self, and please fill me with your spirit this day. With those teaching downstairs, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Three points. We'll get to the points in just a minute. I've, the first one is this. Don't fixate. Number one, kind of long. Don't fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Don't fixate on uncertain weather predictions. We have talked the last two weeks about our God of the climate does not change. Now, we have, we have the, the media is very much about climate change. It's something ongoing. It's something, honestly, I think we're going to have to deal with for years to come yet. Uh, but is it based upon a biblical ideology? Is climate change and biblical stewardship the same thing? No, they are diametrically really opposed. I am for biblical stewardship, taking care of your beasts, taking care of your animals, etc., feeding your cats even though they don't deserve it. I'm for those kind of things. If you're going to take a cat, take them into your house. You're taking responsibility. Keep that cat fed. You don't have to say happy. I didn't even say fat, but keep it some food somewhere along the road. It has to maybe hunt for it a long way, but there we are. So, biblical stewardship, I'm for it. Climate change agenda, not for that. Now, climate changes, we, we've changed. So, in, in Psalm, I thought we'd start with what we, the, the, the good news. Psalm 46. Did you, do you happen to know, and I probably the only reason I can tell you, because I studied a little ahead of time, do you know what the, what the background of this psalm is? Likely it was when Sennacherib came, the Assyrian army has come wiping out everything, and they land on the doorstep, or not quite on the doorstep yet, but they reach out to Hezekiah. He sends him a lot of money. Not enough. He doesn't want to leave Hezekiah as a, a, a vassal king, because he's, he's, he's a loose cannon. Thanks to Necarib. So he sends Rabshakeh and 185,000 army people to surround Jerusalem. And it looks bleak, I'm telling you, it looks bleak. And Hezekiah, though, prays to the same God who's watching over Israel today, prays to him. And he sends one angel, and one angel kills 185,000 of the troops in one night. And Israel is saved. God is our refuge, whether it's Hezekiah, Isaiah, or unknown author. God wrote it through the inspiration inspiring the human author. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That he's just gone through this likely, and wow, our God is He's here for us, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Refuge here, the first word, the, when you get on to 11, uh, 7 and 11, where it says there, the Lord is host, host is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. That's the impregnable fortress. Matter of fact, about 500 years ago, there's a monk, a very feisty, foul-mouthed at times monk, who saw these words, and might make a good song. A mighty fortress is our God. So there we are. He writes these words, probably being inspired, not, not the same kind of inspiration, but inspired by the psalm to write, A mighty fortress is our God. Very, a very present help. Intensely present helper, if you would. And the word removed. Interesting, the word removed in verse 2 is rendered every other time as changed. 
So it's like when one person comes in and takes over and it's changed. Israel was just on the path between warring nations all the time. Israel was completely demolished twice. They have been attacked 40-some times. They have been, parts of of Jerusalem have been demolished. I am thinking it's a lot, uh, exactly, but it's, it's, it's a lot of times. So as as they are changed, God is our refuge and strength, even though our the people around me who are in charge now, God is still our refuge and strength. Whether it's Hamas comes in and bombs us, whoever's in charge, God's in charge of us. God is our refuge and strength. Climate change. You know, I, this is my own personal thoughts, just for a moment. Think with me outside the box. It comes, if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 16 for just a moment, and then we'll get to the message. I'll keep on time. I have the clock. The clock is very large, and it's back there for me to see. Revelation 19, or 16, Revelation 16, please. Don't say amen too many times, because I might go longer. I was teasing. I was, I was a little bit of humor. That's better than the cat story, anyway, hopefully. Look what it says. During the tribulation time, verse uh, 9 of 16 of Revelation at the end, and they repented not to give him glory. All kinds of climatic things are happening on the earth. Look at verse 11. And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Verse 21. If you would, same chapter. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. But they didn't repent. Is it possible? This is the start. Climate change carrying all the way into the tribulation. So when things happen, mankind will say, oh, that's not God. Gaia is mad at us now. And so Gaia's gotten angry. And Gaia's giving us all these things. It's not God. It's how things are going to change because of the... Could that not possibly carry in? If we are raptured today, I'm thinking very possibly that climate change mentality, we're being set up for the tribulation, not us, we'll be out, the unbelieving world. Oh, the hail, oh, it's climate. Sun, oh, that's climate. The earth is mad at us. Just, it was just my own personal thinking. I never thought of that before, but possibly I might play into that. Number one, do not fixate. Back to our text. Actually, let's look at Saul. Let's look at First Peter five seven. Since you're back in the back of the Bible, First Peter chapter five verse seven. Don't do not fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Now, I'm not talking about the daily weather. I'm talking about the climate change mentality. We've got to start going to net zero, carbon speaking. We've got to have all this done by 2050, or the world's going to simply come to an end. Oh, you know, Pastor exaggerating. Uh, Greta Thunberg in 2017 or 18 said, if we do not start doing things immediately, we're going to be destroyed by 2020. In five years, we'll be completely erased. That was, she was wrong because I'm still here. You're still here. So don't, you're exaggerating. I, I'm not exaggerating sometimes when the, what the pastor says. I mean, what the press says. And I will not exaggerate what God says, but it says here, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I don't know what's in store for today, but if we will cast our care upon him, for he cares for us. He's going to watch over us. Psalm 24, the first couple of verses, and then we'll get right to the, go for Psalm 24. Look what it says here. The earth is, 
talked about last time, there's the teaching of Gaianism, that the earth is a living entity itself, and we are to worship the earth, and we are to do everything we can to keep the earth happy. That's a false ideology, as you well know. The earth is the Lord, Psalm 24, verse 1, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, for he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Park in that first word, the earth is the Lord's. This is, the, this is his earth. This is my father's world. Now, it's not like it was in Genesis 1 and 2. It's not like it will be in Revelation 21 and 22. But it is still his earth. It is still his. He, he created it. He's watching over it. So, number one, for the third time, do not fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Now, what is climate change? I'm going right to the sources. If you'll notice the last two weeks, I've gone to the sources of the people who are saying this instead of, my own ideology. The United Nations, very much pro-climate change. What is climate change? According to United Nations, it refers to long-term shifts in temperatures and weather patterns. These shifts may be natural, such as shifts and variations of the solar cycle, but since the 1800s, human activities have been the main driver of climate change, primarily due to the burning of fossil fuels like coal, oil, and gas. That's speculation. Not been proven. This idea there's a settled science. It is not settled. There's many, many people who refute it and do not agree with it. National Geographic Society said climate change is a long-term alteration of typical weather patterns in a place. The National Aviation Safety Administration, NASA, climate change is a change in the usual weather pattern found in a place. The National Resources Defense Council, climate change is generally defined as a significant variation in average weather conditions, say conditions becoming warmer, wetter, drier, etc. And Yale University of Sustainability says climate change is the long-term change in the average weather patterns of Earth's local, regional, and global climates. Climate changes, we understand that, but this climate change that is promoted throughout some in the world today, not everybody, it says, well, the whole problem is, is we're burning fossil fuels. Now, what are fossil fuels? God's gift to mankind, besides that, through the flood. An energy source, according to the Energy Information Administration, the EIA. Fossil fuels are an energy source formed in the Earth's crust from decayed organic material. The common fossil fuels are petroleum, coal, and natural gas. So the, the primary complaint of the climate change movement proponents, supporters, advocates, is that the unhealthy use of fossil fuels produce what is called greenhouse gases. So, greenhouse gases, what they are is typically when, when the gas of the heat comes up off, uh, it turns infrared, and so the infrared heat comes off the earth. The greenhouse gases are up here, and they reflect the heat back down on the earth. And so, the earth is warming up because of all the gas up in the air, and so that's reflected, and that's called the greenhouse gas effect, warming our earth. That is the premise Interesting, from the, uh, from the Institute for Creation Research, of which we have the Days of Praise, Dr. Brian Thomas, in an article from there, says, and the article was called, Will Reducing Carbon Dioxide, CO2, Solve Global Warming? Quoting now, recently, science projected that even very drastic reductions in carbon dioxide, CO2 emissions, will do very little to slow atmospheric CO2 buildup, and therefore global warming. Many climatologists, including Dr. Larry Varneman, disagree about the role of CO2 in this respect. They have found that the observed increase in CO2, whether produced by human activity or not, 
is not causing global warming, but perhaps is caused by it. So as the globe gets warmer, as heat comes on for a period of time, that raises that level of CO2. In addition, the detailed temperature record since 1850 shows a temperature decline between 1940 and 1970, a time when massive amounts of industrial CO2 were entering the atmosphere, which flies in the face of the explanation that a continuous exponential increase in carbon dioxide causes global warming. Dr. Varneman has also demonstrated the remarkably close overlaps of temperature to sunspots, indicating that solar cycles are more likely to cause global warming. That would make sense, global warming sunspots. If CO2 is not responsible, and global warming is due to the processes that we are outside our control, then all those tremendous efforts that governments and individuals worldwide are making to fight it, he says, will amount to chasing after the wind. End of quote. Chasing after the wind. If if all of this is... Again, I am for, for biblical stewardship. And I'm to be careful. But I'm telling you, humankind is... I just put on a sweater or take off your, you know, take off your sweater, whatever. If it gets colder, we put one on. If it gets warmer, we take take the shirt, whatever. Go on your t-shirt, whatever it is. I'm not trying to be modest, but I'm telling you, we, we, you know, we, we can handle that. We do. Right now, I, we actually, it was, it was cool in our house this morning. I had to put on, uh, which the cats really like, the, the comforter over my legs this morning as they're doing my devotions. And so they like that, things like that. So there we go. I won't do that again, don't worry. <laughs> so do not fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Chicken Little. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Don't, don't get that mindset. God reigns. Let's get that mindset. The earth is the Lord's. Be still and know that I am God. A refuge and a fortress. That's what we have. From the Epic Times, I'll give you just a few little bit about the dissenters, and then we're going to go on to other things. But there, there is an other side. We only hear generally... The one side, with the Epic Times, this is an article from, here's the climate dissent you're not going to hear about, because it's muffled by society's top institutions. September 26th of this year, so just a couple of weeks old. This is from Real Clear Investigations. A couple of things here. Quoting now, there's no climate crisis or existential threat as expressed in catastrophic predictions by the activists in the media and academia. As global temperatures gradually increase, human societies will have to make adjustments to rapidly replacing fossil fuels as renewable ones and electricity by mid-century would be economically risky and may have a negligible effect on global warming. Some say mitigation decrees such as phasing out combustion engines and banning gas stoves are not likely to prevent climate change because humans play a minor role in global climate trends. Thirdly, the global political push to kill the fossil fuel industry which has affected, by the way, us here in our area greatly, to get to net zero and carbon neutrality by 2050, as advocated by, of all things, the United Nations, will erase millions of jobs and raise energy costs, leading to a prolonged economic depression and political instability. The result would be the developing nations will pay the highest price, while the biggest polluters, China, India, and hostile nations, Russia, Iran, will simply ignore the net zero mandate. If they're going to come into our homes and they're going to attack Israel across the borders and they're going to kill the innocents, if Russia's going to move into Ukraine unprovoked and do massacre, even if they're going to do that, 
following climate change and saying they will and not following, that's not a big deal. China has upped their coal production and plants this past year. So you think there's somehow that... Do you, I'm not trying to boo-hoo all that, but don't get caught up in this wave of climate change and think it's the best. Biblical stewardship, yes, but there's an agenda. We're going to see it before we end. There's an agenda to this. Despite the common refrain in the media that there's no evidence that gradually warming planet is affecting the frequency or intensity of hurricanes, <laughs> hurricanes, storms, and droughts, and rainfall, or other weather events, the United States Intergovernmental Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPPC, IPCC, has expressed a low confidence that such weather events can be linked to human activities. Extreme weather events such as wildfires and floodings are not claiming more lives than previously. Listen to this. The human death toll is largely caused by cold weather, which accounts you're eight times more likely to die from cold weather than warm. As hot weather and overall related mortality has fallen by 99% in the past century. Weather related deaths fallen 99% in the past century. People are safe, says Bjorn Lomborg. People are safe from climate related disasters more than ever before. Following the science and scientific consensus, they are misleading. We'll just follow the science or their scientific consensus. Untrue. That's misleading. The warming of the planet is complicated by the phenomenon that causes some disruptions. Some climates, but CO2, now, when we breathe, we breathe out, we give off CO2, right? Carbon dioxide. What do plants take in? The carbon dioxide. And if, if it gets, what do you do to raise your, your little plants, your little fledglings? You have a, a greenhouse. And you, it's warmer in there. So when it's warmer, the plants do better. Is it possible a warmer planet we could grow more food? Do you, do you know, this, it's just not a one-sided thing. God is yet in control. Dr. Curry, interesting, uh, Dr. Curry from Georgia, and I'm just about done with this part. In the 1500s, they used to drown witches in Europe because they blamed them for the bad weather. You had the pagan people trying to appease the gods with sacrifices, Professor Curry says. What we're doing now is like a pseudo-scientific version of that, and it's no more effective than those other strategies. The urgency is the stupidest part of the whole thing, she says, that we need to act now with all these made-up targets. The transition risk is far greater than any conceivable client or weather risk. Conceivable climate or what? It's... Let's make a problem and resolve it the way we say you should be done. Is that way we can have more and more control over your life. Is that possible? So don't fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Secondly, don't follow the underlying world paradigm. Don't follow the underlying world paradigm. Look at Psalm 50, please, for just a moment. Psalm 50. Another breath of fresh air. Psalm 50, verse 10 and 11 and 12. The earth is the Lord's. Be still and know that I am God. He is our refuge and strength. Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. The world is his. If I were hungry, I don't need to tell you because the world is mine. 
It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's his father's, my father's world, the songwriter said. Podcaster Virgil Walker, who did a lot of research on this topic from the Just Thinking podcast, he watched the interview. There were like five or six climatologists on a panel and a host. And the host says, now, listen, we understand that the CO2 level got to 15, 20, 25 percent. That could be problematic for our our environment. So he asked each one, now, how much percentage of CO2 carbon dioxide is actually in our atmosphere? Remember, 15, 20, 25 would be problematic. He said, oh, five, five, five and a half, seven, eight, seven and a half. He said, I want you to know, he said, currently the CO2 level in our atmosphere is 0.04%. It's up from 0.03% two decades ago. Not even one half of 1%. When's the last time you heard that? It doesn't fit the narrative. Be still and know that I am God. Look at Job. Now we're going to cover Job 38, please. You want to draw, drop your draw, jaw. It's like when you turn a corner. To, if you've ever gone to the ark, the ark encounter, and the very first time you take the bus and you turn the corner and you see that, wow, that's a big boat. This is a big God. And Job 38, if you'll follow along, just sort of revel in this wonderful account. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is, he, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who had laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who had stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it break forth as it had, had issued out of the womb? When I made the dark the garment thereof and thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break it up for my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shall thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud ways be stayed. Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, and the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as the clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked, from the wicked heart, light is withholden, and their high arms shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea? Or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Hath the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? Hast thou perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it. Declare. Declare. This is the sovereign God. I like that verse 2. It says, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? If you've ever been to Texas, it's like it is called all hat and no cattle. All hat and no cattle. Who is this that... Who are we? Listen, we're living in a footstool. Isaiah said, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. We're living on God's footstool. Who are we? Who are we? We're sinners saved by grace. But in comparison to the almighty God... Who are we? Now, this net zero thing means that we have by 2050, those who want to follow this paradigm are going to try to get supposedly, which is impractical to do, 
I just mentioned last week, if we were going to go to solar power for a majority, we'd have to build the largest solar farm that exists in America every day between now and 2050 to get to the solar power that we're supposed to be needed, that percentage. Why Net zero means no carbon emissions anywhere. So cows, as you well know, cow manure, cow urine, it gives off a lot of carbon, a lot of carbon, especially when you're cleaning out the stalls. So in Ireland, they have been put forth back in June, they put forth that they're going to cull 200,000 cows out of their, I want to say flocks, out of their herds to cut down on the emissions of carbons. So that way we can head toward the right direction. So in light of that, Jazz Shaw in a, from hotair.com said these words. The title was, Ireland wants to sacrifice 200,000 cows to the climate god. Quoting, the climate change theology increasingly takes a pseudo-religious aspects demanding sacrifices from its adherents at its altar. God is dead in the West, after all, he writes, but he must be replaced with something as humans are inherently inclined to seek transcendence and meaning. He's spot on. We're going to worship something. He's saying we're, if we're not going to worship God, we've got to find something. So perhaps it's the earth or the climate. Jamie Blackett in the, from the Telegraph of London says that within climate change, there is an echo modernist agenda to do away with conventional meat altogether. But since they cannot just come out and say that out loud, the climate cultists are using the suicidally destructive net zero carbon initiative as cover, quoting from the Telegraph 6523. May 23rd of this year, Ethan Huff from the naturalnews.com says, Regarding this climate change zero, a, a, a special presidential envoy, envoy from our own, com- own country for climate, this person told an audience at the Department of Agriculture's Aim for Climate Summit, saying, quoting, We can't get to net zero. We won't get this job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution. Quoting, The lives of people depend on farmers ceasing their operations. The lives of people depend on farmers ceasing. This will lower the agriculture emissions. End quote. And we'll not be here to enjoy it. Who are we saving the earth for? Who are we saving the earth for? The Guyanism, pantheism, secularism, environmentalism, atheism, paganism, all these isms are not part of the triune God. If it strays from Scripture, it's wrong. Period. It does, it, the only thing that makes sense, that makes in your life and for a country, it's following God's rule. Even an unbeliever can follow the principles of God's word and be blessed by, in a certain ways. I mean, we're getting rain. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust, does he not? Yes. But I don't care who you are, believer or unbeliever, if you stray from God's word, it's going to be bad. It's gonna, it, there's nothing positive comes from that. So, do not fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Do not follow the underlying worldview paradigm. And finally, do not falter in your unswerving walking progress, spiritually speaking. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Isaiah 41, verse 10. I, think this, I sent this verse to Mrs. Uh, to Mrs. Kazee this week. Isaiah 41, 10. Wonderful verse. Fresh air. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. I think it's the way it starts here. I want to quote before I try to quote it. 41, verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. 
I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. It is turning to him. It says in the same chapter of Isaiah, or back one chapter, 40, verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O thou that bringest good tidings, Get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest forth good tidings. Lift up the voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. That is it. Do not stray from following God's word. Edward Veith, in a book called Postmodern Times, A Christian's Guide to Contemporary Thought and Culture, said, Environmental arguments have fueled the world's efforts to limit the population by restricting the number of children born. The new anti-humanism is inevitably affects the child, assuming, as it does, that new human life is a problem, a drain on the earth and on the parents' resources. End of quote. Do you not see where it's all tying in? If you followed along, the Bible says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. But we have come now, especially in our own country, sad to say, that for some, the right to end the child's life is sacrosanct, whatever. It's promotable at all. You wonder why we are struggling as a nation? I don't wonder at all. I'm surprised God hasn't wiped this out already for how we have treated the life of human beings. And now it's promoted and it's got to be... Do you understand? The Bible says children are in heritage. The only thing you're taking to heaven, not your trucks, your cars, your toys, it's your children. Or people you lead to the Lord are going to go to heaven with you. That's the only thing that's internal. That's the only thing that's eternal. We find a, he continues on. The, uh, he says, what a contrast between the leftist elitist agenda, world economic forum, etc., versus the sovereign God. We scarcely hear the classic view that a child itself is a resource, a valuable addition to the human race. Thus, we have the right to an abortion, a way to eliminate children that has become a rallying political cause. In a book, 1968 book, The Population Bomb, uh, Paul Ehrlich said, Our position requires that we take immediate action at home and promote effective action worldwide. This is where the United Nations, by the way, comes in. We must have population control at home hopefully through changes in our value system, but by compulsion if, not, if voluntary methods don't fail. End quote. Simon Turbine from the Answers in Genesis sound the alarm on climate activists, says sound the alarm on climate alarmists. In the biblical worldview, world there's no need to panic about the future of our planet. God created the earth about 6,000 years ago to be inhabited. He has promised to keep earth for life until the consummation of all things. And listen to this. Our responsibility is to care for creation, not to worship it. Our responsibility is to care for creation, not to worship it. We are to worship God alone. He alone. He says nowhere in the word does the word does God tell his followers to limit how many children they have because a higher population will destroy the earth. In his first charge to mankind, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Though children are inheritors of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Do you know how this psalm comes from? We know there's songs of degrees. There's 15 in a row, starting at 120, 
to 134. Hezekiah wrote 10. David wrote 4. Solomon wrote 1. He wrote 127. Isn't it interesting that Solomon, he'd give us to Solomon, he include that in the 15, Hezekiah would, Holy Spirit would. See, Hezekiah didn't have a child to carry on. He got sick. God gave him how many more years? 15 more years. And three years after that, he had a son who would carry on the lineage of the Messiah. Lo, children are inherited to the Lord. And it's not just children. It's old people. It's me. Old people are just as important. They are made in the image of God. Are they not? Whether you can fulfill a, a part of society and it, whether you can drive your car safely or not, you need to park it probably, but you are still, are they still not a human being? Yes. The child from the moment of conception is a human being. Not just this, this band for only six weeks, eight weeks. No, it's period. I'm against it, period. I know that's not a popular topic, but I'm against it, period. So don't fixate on uncertain weather predictions. Do not follow underlying worldview paradigm and do not falter on your unswerving walking progress with God. We are to worship the Creator, not the creature. And I love this song. I thought tie it in before we pray. First verse. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and to open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? He is. He is. So don't jettison your Bible view from the outside influences. There's a lot of voices clamoring for your attention. Listen to the one still small voice that speaks with absolute certainty on all things. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful that your word is true. It is faithful. It is pure. It is righteous. It is unerring. It is unfaltering. It is perfect. Lord, we, we rest our lives, not yea, our eternities upon the veracity of your word. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you said of yourself that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, may we live by that each day. Lord, this morning, I can't help but ask a, a number of people this size of group that there would be some who perhaps aren't sure that they're your child, or matter of fact, they're pretty sure they're not. If you've spoken to their heart today and they've heard that the salvation and they understand what it's about, it's admitting that we are sinners, which we are. The Bible says, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. 
We understand that. And they believe that, you, you, that you, the Bible says about you, but they've, lowered, they've never applied it to their lives. They've never repented by grace through faith and asked you to forgive them of their sin and to be their Savior. Lord, if you've spoken to someone about that, may they respond. Lord, if, and for baptism, for church membership, for, may we just need to come and get on fire for you. Lord, help us to be faithful, to serve you in all the days you've given to us. And ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.